I never grew up with educators that look like myself. So I feel like, honestly, like we are that new wave that make being wise, being smart, being educated cool, right? Wisdom is is a powerful tool, but oftentimes we might neglect it because of who it's coming from, you feel me? But if we can top it up with a young buck and really implant a seed, man, like that's, it's more than just education at that point, you know what I'm saying? What's going on, beautiful people? This is Let's Grow Together podcast, where diverse individuals and communities come to serve, connect, and grow in areas that they're most passionate about. Brother Marcus, man, check with check in with the people and let them know how you're doing today. What's going on, family? Back at it again. It's a little bit different, man. Today is Monday and only on Tuesday, but um, again, always vibrant as always, man. Just coming off a great event with the organization. Uh, impact as always, man. And uh, again, we definitely have a phenomenal guest who really got me charged up as well throughout the weekend just just brainstorming on this but well bro well man no complaints at all trying to see see what's new man the organization always always staying active just had a, a recent speech uh, with jeans empowerment that was phenomenal man talking to some average youth those who were uh who tend to tend to be an iss oss type you know kind of hearing some of their stories and it was crazy because a lot one of the trend i noticed in talking all them all them were in trouble for fighting but I asked them why were y'all fighting. It was always he say she say, right? It it was it was really kind of just the the drama back and forth. And throughout the conversation, one thing we really stressed and we realized is spazzing on somebody else isn't gonna make them do any different, right? You can't control someone who's naive. They're gonna talk. They're gonna do certain things. So just being able to control your, your energy is one thing that we really talked about. And I've been implementing for myself. Uh, emotional intelligence and everything that I do is it worth the battle or not right so that's what my head has been man but what about you how are we going good brother man it's it's been a blessing man and uh, it's interesting that you talk about that because I was just with uh one of my brothers earlier today and we were talking about how the youth nowadays um they're like we we used to get in fights and stuff because you know somebody was like picking on us or talking about our clothes or they put hands on us right but nowadays it seems like man, you say the wrong thing to a young buck and they ready to spaz. And uh, for some reason, and so it's, it's inter- interesting that you said that because um, we literally was having that conversation at lunch today. But, man, I'm blessed. Um, you know, I got my car back last week. Um, we actually just started the second semester with um, our remote remote school. So I'm super excited about that. The group is growing. Uh, we're in the process of trying to plan an experience. So um, um, as you know, Marcus, man, we try to, give them a unique experience where we're taking them to fly a plane, where we're taking them to fine dining restaurants, or we're giving them something that is outside of their norm. So um, we're in the process of trying to plan that, man. And it's just been a blessing just to kind of get some of their perspective on what they're interested in. But it's super dope, man. So I'm excited for that. Um, But yeah, it's all love over here. That's what I'm talking about, man. Exposing them to different things, man. I, I I love that, and that's one thing y'all do a phenomenal job at. So as always, gotta give y'all y'all uh, y'all flowers, man. But I was I was thinking as you were talking, the last session we did was based on uh, where you start doesn't define where you finish, and a lot of, a lot of the people we analyzed like Oprah, Tyler Perry, and like Jay Z, we realized a lot of them started from a lot of negative situations with a lot of trauma and things where a lot of people don't overcome but they were able to and it was from controlling those emotions it was from learning how to properly communicate and leveraging that to make you hustle opposed to you know leaning on and, and crying over this since you right manifesting it and moving on it so nah that, that's dope that's dope man no nah, bro that's that's super facts because um i was even thinking about it when you were talking like a lot of negative afflictions whether they be physically mentally or what have you um a lot of times like that can actually be something that propels you because 
Um, I think about Napoleon Hill, his son. He was born with no ears, physically no ears, without the ability to hear or talk. And through the belief of his father that he would grow up to end up hearing and be a regular kid, um, not to look as if he was a regular kid, but be able to speak and talk and also hear other people. Um, you know, I think about that. And then to, to hear that he was able to not only learn how to talk, learn how to hear, but to also go out and teach other people that had hearing issues as well. Like it's just super dope. But I also believe that when resources were the lowest, imagination was the greatest. And I feel like right now, because it's so much. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again for them who didn't catch that. Don't talk over that. That's Yeah. Now, man, when resources were at their lowest, imagination was at its highest. Um, Because I was saying that I feel like right now, because we have so much information, you can literally get on Google. You know, we got the chat GPT where you can ask it to solve any equation. Like it takes away from the imagination that the youth has a lot of times. So all they see is what's in front of them. So it's hard for them to really understand the true depths of their, their, their powers. Right. But, but man, I, bro, that negative can definitely turn into a positive if you use it properly. I'm telling you, that's it, man. I pride myself on doing that with Avery. It's just not, not when she does something that is negative, not just getting in her butt. But listen, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm doing this is because of X, Y, Z and not really trying to taint her creative juices but make sure that they're being used in a productive manner. So now nah, that's huge, man. That's huge. I love it. But I know we can ramble on that. That's a good conversation right there, good brother. But um, squad, we, we got a great guest for y'all today, man. My, my guy, Mr. Ray Phillips, man. And, and this man is phenomenal. He's doing a lot of great things in the area. We recently had the opportunity to connect and just hearing his story, man, I said, this is amazing, brother. We definitely need to expose him to, to some of our followers and introducers and really just introduce him to our realm. So, Ray, if you don't mind, man, because. Come on, turn the camera on and tell, tell the people a little bit about yourself, good brother. What's up, everybody? As a matter of fact, uh, James, when you were talking about that, uh, I forget exactly how you just said it because uh, I got lost in uh, the daydream of it all where the resources are limited. Um, is so, so most people don't know, right? So uh, growing up, I didn't like to read. Um, and I just want to you know, piggyback from what you were just talking about while I was off camera, but most people didn't know that I didn't like to read. As a matter of fact, the reason why I didn't like to read is because the words began to kind of jump around on the screen, right? Or on, in the book, in the pages of the book, right? So when I got to high school, I visited North Carolina, visited my grandmother here, and my uncle lived with her. And he was like, boy, you're not going outside until you read. And I'm like, what? I, I don't want to read. He was like, no, you're going to read. So he opened up a newspaper. He made me read a newspaper every single day. And so I got comfortable and I fell in love with reading. Now I have over 150 to 200 books in my library and I probably read a good 75% of those, right? So when you said it, it just made, it just resonated with me and I began to daydream. So a little bit about myself. My name is Ray Phillips Jr. Uh, I am the oldest of 17 kids. Yes, I said that 17, one, seven. Uh, the youngest of the tribe, he'll be 10 in a few days. He'll be 10 years old. I'm 36 years old. Uh, and I grew up, right outside of Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you know, home of the cheese steaks, soft pretzels and water ice. I don't know if you guys are familiar with any of that. Uh, but man, listen, uh, the best place to get it, because you might ask, the best place to get a Philly cheesesteak is actually not at the Pats and the Genos and all of those kind of things. It's right at the bodegas or the corner stores or the poppy stores in the neighborhoods. That's where you can get it for $5 with some fries, a soda, you know what I mean, a bag of chips, all for five bucks. Now with inflation, it might be a little higher, but I've been down here for about six months, so I really don't know. Uh, you know, I've been married for eight years to my best friend. Uh, and when I say my best friend, I really mean my best friend. Uh, we didn't date prior to being married. 
we kind of just, you know, we're friends for about eight months. She texted me and was like, yo, let's get married when you get here. And when you get here, meaning Georgia, I'm like, absolutely, let's do it, right? I was a complete fool uh, growing up. You know, I was a womanizer. Uh, you know, I, I was a dog. Like, I was all those things. Uh, and God saved me when he sent my wife, right? When I said I'd do, everything was cool, turkey. I changed my life around uh, for the better. So I'm super excited for, you know, what God has already unfolded in my life. But I'm more excited for uh, the things that are unseen. I don't know if you understand. Uh, but the things that are unseen are actually where the fun comes from, right? Because when we can calculate the things that ahead of us, we tend to mess it up for ourselves. Uh, and I was in a space prior to being married that I was messing things up for myself. So I'm just super excited for what life has and how life has begun to just unfold right before my, my very eyes. So that's a little bit about me, who I am. Uh, if you want to know more, you can ask and I got you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, one thing I, I had noted, man, is just the good energy. You're very vibrant, very high energy. And that was one thing I was able to take over the phone just to have a conversation. What does a lot of that come from, man? To tell us a little bit more about that. I got you. So my high energy is crazy. So I'm, I'm high off life all the time, right? So when I wake up in the morning, it means that I have a reason to be here. So because I have a reason to be here, I got to make sure that I can give off my positive energy to everybody else. Uh, so a little bit more about me. I am what is it, 20 years into coaching. So I've been coaching Little League football from 1999 uh, into 2014 when I got married from 2015 until currently now. Uh, I own and operate a semi-pro professional football team. Uh, and a lot of those guys come to me with, uh, from broken homes, they might, you know, not know how to express themselves, right? I was one of those kids who were told to shut up, man up, get up, stop crying. I give you something to cry for, right? And what I realized is growing up, a lot of my friends were in that same space, right? And a lot of my friends either, uh, I like to call them like uh, ticking time bombs, you know what I'm saying? So where they got angry enough, where they exploded and they ended up in two places, either dead or in jail, right? So for me, it's like, yo, I can't be in a negative uh, light because there's so many people dependent on me. I have 17 brothers and sisters, like I stated in the beginning. There's 25 to 30 guys who basically I watch grow from uh, young men to mature men, right? They hold jobs, they're getting married, they're having kids, they're doing all of these things. So if Ray came negative, what would the outcome be for those for those, for those guys? You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's about those who are coming after me, those who are coming, who are looking up to me. So that's why I'm super excited all the time. That's why I'm super fired up all the time because I know that there's somebody watching me and I gotta be that example for that person. I can't fail Hey, I, I love that because um, Marcus talked about it in his check-in where it was like, you know, being upset or being frustrated, it don't really help nobody. I, I think we all can agree that there's been a time where you're on the phone with someone in customer service and they not helping you the way that they're supposed to help you or they not doing the things that you think they should be. So you get a little frustrated. But I think for me, I always come back to the thought like, man, if me, if I get frustrated, this person is not going to want to help me anymore. So I'm loving the energy. Um. You said something about the books, like you said, you got about 150, 200 books now, and you've read about 70 percent of them. Would you agree that information changes situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it changes your vocabulary, because a lot of times when we're not reading consistently, our vocabulary becomes whatever our environment is. But if you're reading consistently, you have a better vocabulary to be able to respond to somebody when you get into like a, a disagreement or a scuffle or something like that. That's love. And, and you also mentioned, um, and forgive me if I, I misquote you, but you said the the unseen, right? Um, we had an episode that's literally about the fear of the unknown. And we talk about how not knowing something doesn't mean it's good or bad, right? 
it is it, that is the fun part of figuring it out. Oftentimes, when you have a goal, like you won't know how it's going to come to fruition. You really don't. And the fun part is getting on the ground, like you said, waking up with a purpose and going after that thing as much as possible. So how do you how do you handle that that unknown space? Like how do you deal with that? And, and if you could give someone some advice on that, like what what would that advice be? So it's crazy as you ask that, right? So being here in North Carolina is the unknown for my wife and I, right? So we came down here, uh, and I'm pretty sure Mr. Marcus was going to bring it up at some point, but we came down here for the Fayetteville Stingers, which is the professional basketball team here in the Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I'm the general manager. So at the beginning of the process, it's been a year now since I've been a part of the organization. Uh, I had high hopes. I'm, I'm thinking contracts is coming middle of the summer, like all this kind of, all this kind of thing. And I'm hyping myself up, hyping my wife up. Uh, following the voice that I heard say move and all this thing. And I get here and guess what y'all, I could whisper it, but I'm not, I'm going to let y'all know. It ain't happened the way that I planned it out to happen. Right. As a matter of fact, just being 100% transparent with you fellas, uh, you know, rent was due. We didn't have it. Right. Because I didn't have a job because I was so focused on one thing that didn't happen. Right. Unknown. Uh, then it began to get really, really dark. Uh, we lost our car in December uh, to when we were in an accident. It got really, really, really dark. My wife works 22 miles away from here. She, she works in Hope County. She works in Hope County. Have no idea how she's getting to work. Very, very dark. Uh, but my, I'm going to just keep it real with y'all, man. My my hope comes from just knowing that God got me. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's all that I can attest it to. There's no like secret formula, secret sauce, none of that, man. All I know is every day that I wake up, God got me. And if he wakes me up, that means that I got to keep going, that I get another chance at figuring out what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. You got to, man. You got to. And that's just resilience to the T. Uh, I really admire that, man. And so I, I know you came in to play with the Fayetteville Stingers. And you used to play ball yourself, right? Never. So how did no, you? I played play rec ball. I played rec ball. That's it. I didn't play no uh, organized ball. And I'm like, I went... So I got cut from the freshman team. And unlike Michael Jordan, I took that hit. And I and I was like, yep, I ain't doing this no more. I'm done. You know what I'm saying? If I would have did it, who knows where I'd be right now. But uh, I think I'm right where I'm supposed to be. So. Yeah, yeah. Now nah, you definitely are. You talk about following that voice. I want to really elaborate on that a little bit more because not really having a game plan, right? Not knowing exactly what the steps that were going to come in play, but still having the faith to follow that, follow that voice. Tell us a little bit more about that, man. So when I say that, I don't say it lightly, right? So um, if I gave my testimony right now, you got y'all probably be like, nah, there's no way that the guy sitting on his camera is who he say he is in the past, right? Uh, I come from Kind of a two-parent household, but not really. It was a stepdad who was in the mix. Um, you know, I grew up with not really needing everything. Um, like, they took care of us pretty well. However, I always had the itch to to get it myself so I didn't have to ask nobody for nothing. So I fell into uh, the trap of selling drugs. I fell into the trap of women and, you know, fornicating and having a bunch of sex with a bunch of women. And uh, one day, I was in the midst of busting a move or busting a trap. And uh, this guy pulled a gun on me and he said, uh, if you don't give me everything that you got, this is it. So I emptied my pockets. I gave him everything. Right. I gave him the work. I gave him the money. I gave him everything. Uh, and it was at that moment where God said, this is your saving grace. It didn't happen because I'm saving you. Right. So my dumb self, I go back doing what I was doing, uh, living in that life again. And it happened a second time. This time I was working uh, in a gas station from where I'm from. And uh, I had it so down pat, where right? I'm just keeping it real, which I had it so down pat where I would put the work in potato chip bags and I would hand the person potato chip bags when they hand me the money. And it got to be to a spot where 
uh, one of the neighborhood dealers came through, asked for my assistant manager. My assistant manager went out, had a conversation with him. And he said, uh, the assistant manager came back and he was like, yo, I don't know what you did. I don't know what you went to, but he came up here to take your life. He had a gun on him. He came up here to take your life. And it was at that very moment where I was like, all right, I'm done. This is it. Like, I, I'm, I'm giving that life up, right? Uh, and following God through all of it, right? But still knowing the void, still knowing God existed, I was still being a womanizer, right? And that just don't add up. It's, it's like a, a left shoe and a, and a left shoe, right? You can't really dance with that. And uh, I, I got to a space where I almost lost my wife and not in a physical sense of losing her like she died or anything like that, uh, but in a space where uh, I, in, the, in the eight months that we were together, I give y'all the air quotes, in the eight months that we were together, uh, I was still being a dog, right? And uh, it was one woman who almost took me from her forever. Uh, and her and I, the woman broke up and God said, go get your wife. And that's when, you know, I moved to Hinesville, Georgia, and we got married three days later, and we've been married ever since. So that's what following the voice looks like for me. Man, I think I think you 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 said something powerful when you talk about your testimony. And if we were to you were to tell us your story, we wouldn't believe you. Honestly, you know, you in a room with some great brothers like that have gone through some stuff. So we we definitely believe you. But I often say that you can't have a testimony without a test. So I I believe that everything that you were going through at that time was preparing you for your wife. It was preparing you for the work that you do now with the youth and the, the football team and even the, the semi-pro basketball team. All of those things were, were literally stepping stones to, to make you who you are today. Cause I say this all the time is like, thank God we don't look like what we've been through because you know, if we did, we'd be battered and bruised and, and, and beat up. Right. But I'm glad that, you know, you were able to to take heed to to those different situations and and turn that into a positive, man, because, you know, we work with a lot of youth that can go either way. You know what I mean? Like they're one bad decision away from someone taking their life or them being in jail. So for us to have some personal experiences, I think that helps them tremendously, because sometimes y'all know the kids to be like, man, you don't know what I've been going through. You don't you don't know why I've been. You don't know what's going on. But in reality, we do, because, you know, we might not look it right now, but I think that helps us tremendously because they see that there it is hope for them if they continue to take and heed our advice. Yo, that's that's the code switch component too, though, to be the tentative example that can dabble in both realms, but look like who you are today. So I I, I love that you said that, man. I definitely had to had to just piggyback off that. But what was your thoughts, right? No, man, listen, I can't hear myself speak. Like, I, don't, I can't play it back in my head, uh, but uh, no, that's definitely real. Uh, and being the example is number one, right? Because I can tell you to I'm blue on my face. However, if I'm not walking the walk, you know what I'm saying? Me talking is just talking. So I try to live by example as much as I possibly can. Nah, respect, respect. Nah, and I know that actually goes hand in hand with, with the other component, right? And what you dabble with. So aside from the favor stingers, aside from the, from the mayor, man, right? You found yourself in, in the midst of preaching, man. I want to talk a little bit about that because... Most of the preachers who I know, right, have the longest stories that are longest rap sheets. And that's why they, they are in a position to be able to align with a lot of people and be able to speak to them because they were one where they once were before they overcame and really kind of heard that voice and listened to it a little bit more. Now, I also have a second, second question for you within that, man. I've always been told that that's something I should do, but I've always run from it. And I know <laughs> and I know 
you can relate and you had a similar experience, right? Because that internal battle, you still want to dabble in the realm in which you were. While, uh, you know, there might have been a call on for you to get in front of others and lead them in, lead them in that regard. So rephrase that question for me because it was a two part. Okay, so so one is how did you find yourself uh, in, in the preaching realm, right? And then second is did you ever find yourself running from your calling? All right, so uh, this is kind of a long story, but uh, but I'm gonna keep it short because I know we on a time on a time constriction, right? So age of five, I'm in church every Sunday with my mom, uh, my aunt Margaret, who is the oldest aunt left on my mother's side. She's 85, I think it is this year. She was 85. She turned 85. Uh, took us to church. We went to uh, AME church and the reverend of the church, I'm five years old at the time, the reverend of the church was like, your son's going to be a preacher one day. That's my mama told me, right? And uh, I would hang out with the pastor afterwards. We would read the word of God together. He would kind of break it down for me, you know, kind of showing me scriptures and teaching me how to how to read it. At five years old, uh, probably eight, eight or nine years old, he passed away. Um, and for me, I would play church after church, if that makes sense. So like, he would go, he would get a message in front of everybody. I would go home and in front of my brothers and sisters, I'll be the pastor. Right. So I always knew that I was called to, to being a pastor. Right. But life is life, man. Let's, let's keep it real. Like if we really think about it, the things of this world sometimes tempts us more than what this world looks like, what, what, what the word of God says and how we should live. And uh, for me, you know, up until I was 20, I'm 36, 20, 29. I'm keep it real with you. I ran for, 29 years of my life, 29 years of my life, I ran because I wasn't ready to settle down. I wasn't ready to give up those things of the world that made me feel so good. The money, the sex, the drugs, the lies, all of that kind of stuff. I was so infatuated with just being a part and being around the nonsense that I wasn't ready to give it up yet. Uh, and I think when I finally, you know, broke down and just accepted and said, you know what, this is what it is. This is what I'm going to do is when my brother got locked up. In 2019, he got locked up and God called me. And when I say he called me, I wasn't locked behind them bars, but I was locked mentally. I was locked down mentally because I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was forced fasting. I lost 31 pounds in six weeks because, because of it. Uh, but it drew me nearer to God. And I understood why I needed God more in that time than I ever needed him in my life. Because the one thing uh, that drives me is my family. My why is my family. The reason why I get out of bed every single day and do what I do is for my family and so that I'm not a disappointment to my family to those 16 that's coming from uh coming behind me to my wife who relies on me every single day that's why I accepted my call that's the reason why I continue to push forward in the things that I'm doing and I hope that you know people can find God in me despite what my outer shell looks like uh for you though bro you said that uh you know you've been called and people that have been telling you that you call you feel like you're running away from it you can run till you get till you get tired, till your legs fall off, but God not gonna stop pursuing you. I'm just keeping it real. You were you were put on this earth to do that, but God not gonna stop pursuing you, bro. I'm just being real with you. And he might even wake you up in the middle of the night, like looking around the room because you don't know what's going on, or your life might begin to fall into shambles, and you the only person that you can rely on is God. So not, that would be my my answer. I respect that. So so the the realm in which James and I dabble in from a mentor component, I think it's, it's doing the same work, right? I'm just not in front of a, a pulpit doing it. So being able to change and influence lives is my calling, right? And and that's how I've always put a positive spin on it. And I, I genuinely feel that it's still the work of God. It's just a different audience. It's a different attire. It's a different demeanor, right? But I, I definitely hear you out. And I appreciate the perspective. 
So let me ask you a question. So you say attire. What's the what's the attire? I just want to know. <laughs> and then and um, then you say, hold, hold on, I, I know yeah, this is a two-part question for you now, mm -hmm. my brother. So you say attire, right? Right. And then mm -hmm. you say, uh, not in the pulpit, right? Just mm -hmm. just real quick a caveat, Jesus didn't preach behind a pulpit. Actually, Jesus was in the street, so you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. But what's that attire? I just want to know. So, so I guess a little bit more playful. Traditionally, especially when I grew up in churches, right? I know you talk about five, six. I remember 11, 12 and younger, right? Being in church, always being buttoned up, tailored up. And again, I now I admire, I like doing that. I'm extremely fond of that. Um, but also just having the versatility to be able to dress down to, to your point, going to streets, dress like the audience in which you're serving. So that's all. Not, not, nothing to assess, but I know there's a formal and informal form component. And nowadays, I'm seeing a whole lot of young pastors who are really trendy with, you know, rocking the Jays and swagging out wide in the midst of preaching. So I think it's a whole lot more diverse now now than ever. But that's all. Right. No, no, you good, bro. Because I, I got I got a little offended because I'm like, wait, I don't wear a suit and tie when I'm preaching. You know, I wear it might be a T-shirt or this sweatshirt or you know, a hoodie or something like that. And it's not no disrespect to God. Just come as you are. You know what I'm saying? Like God knows my heart. So. Now that's facts. I think, I think it's the, the come as you are component, but then it's also, you are, you kind of talking to a specific type of audience now. Like when we were younger and we were going to church, like that was what folks were wearing. They were wearing, you know, suits and ties and things of that nature. So I think it's just kind of feeding to that audience that you have. And, you know, he talked about it earlier where he was like, if I'm not like, not only talking to talk, but I'm walking to walk. Like these young kids can see themselves in me. And 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 I love how Ray said that like God is gonna continue to chase you towards your dream or towards your passion, regardless if you run away from it for the rest of your life. Um, I always think back to like I had this teacher. She said that I would be some type of broadcaster or something like that. And I'm like, what broadcaster? Get out of here. Like I couldn't see it. But now a lot of the work that I do for the podcast, I do a lot of work with the youth. Like I'm always talking to somebody. So I'm like, she saw that in me just from seeing me in the back of the classroom commanding attention. So um, I didn't I didn't run as much because I always like to talk. I literally won most talkative in high school. So, um, you know, I never ran from that. But I do agree that your passion or, or your purpose is your purpose. Like um, there's a great quote. One of my guys, he said, when purpose and identity is unknown, abuse is inevitable. So oftentimes, like you could try to do all this other stuff that you think is cool. And I think, Ray, you could relate when you said, man, you were just you're still seeking the attention. You were still messing around with the girls. You were doing all this stuff that didn't make sense because you didn't know who you were. You know, you're saying you didn't know what that purpose that you had was. And then once you realize that the whole game changed. So I'm loving this conversation. But, you know, you also do some some public speaking. Right. So it's not just the the stuff that you do in a church. How did you come about doing the public speaking? Was that first or was it the the ministry first? No, so ministry was first, right? And uh, the only reason why I was first is because I was running from that gift too, uh, the public speaking gift. So I've always been the one that would give the speeches in class, right? So if it came down to, now I, I would always do work as well, but I always volunteered to speak. I'm like, yo, I got it. I'll do the presentation. I always love uh, presenting and all of those kind of things. Uh, but again, when you don't know yourself, you don't know what your passion is, right? You don't know what your purpose is. So I struggle with identity uh, with self. And I think I think most men, um, especially in our culture, struggle with identity, right? We don't know who we are because we will accept with whatever people call us, right? So we'll accept, oh, you're dumb. Oh, you're stupid. Oh, you, you're lazy. 
oh, you're a procrastinator. You, you accept all those things. So then you think your name is procrastinator. You think your name is lazy. You think your name is bum. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was, I was stuck in an identity crisis. So the public speaking actually uh, just took form in 2022, at the end of 2022, uh, where I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna stop sitting on this thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna do what's necessary. Uh, so, you know, y'all podcast, I'm gonna be real. Y'all podcast is my first speaking engagement since I looked in the mirror and said, I am a public speaker. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate the opportunity just for being able to be here uh, and my brother, who is right underneath of me, so I'm 36, he just turned 35, I'll be 37 uh, in June, he does, he's actually in Springfield, he does uh, music promotion for artists and things like that, and uh, I called him one day, I was like, yo, bro, uh, I'm really about to take this public speaking thing to the next level, you on board, he said, absolutely, and I'm gonna push you harder than I've ever pushed the artist before, so we're gonna make this thing happen, uh, so since actually looking myself in the mirror and saying, yo, I'm a public speaker, you guys are first. I have another event on February 25th back at my home school, the school that I, uh, not home school, that's kind of weird. The high school that I graduated from almost 20 years ago, I'm going back and speaking to the youth uh, in the high school. And I plan to at least be on 10 more stages within the next six months. Look at the goals. Look at the goals. We're glad we could be a part of it, man. But uh, you, you mentioned a few things, right? Just changing the image, changing the stereotype. That's one of the biggest things that we push, right? It's 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 cool to be smart. It's cool to be strategic. It's, you don't always got to be the finesse. You don't got to be, you know, the dope boy, things of that nature. Really changing the image for what the next generation sees as cool and predominant is uh, extremely valuable. But for you, man, I really would just want to give you your flowers because ultimately I kind of have a similar background, right? I always present in the class, always volunteering. But in my youth, I had a stuttering problem. Right. I had a really bad stuttering problem. But now and today, I pride myself on being able to speak and being getting comfortable, being uncomfortable on a continuous basis. And just from hearing your story alone, it sounds like that's one thing that has really continued to help you continue to climb, climb the climb the ladder and always continue to just see what's next. So how does just being or continue to be comfortable getting uncomfortable really kind of push you or is that something you hold near and dear to yourself? So. So no, so another transparent moment for you guys. Um, so prior to this point, I realized, prior to living here, I realized that I was comfortable being comfortable, right? And I would always say, oh, I love to be uncomfortable, not really realizing what uncomfortability really felt like, right? In a comfortable space. Uh, and I got here and then life unfolded and things began to happen. And I realized that I was super uncomfortable because I wasn't uh, used to what happened here, right? I wasn't used to not being able to take care of my family, not being able to do what was necessary, right? I wasn't used to that, but I was uncomfortable. Uh, but with the help of my ministry, um, you know, I've learned to really understand what it means to be uncomfortable while still being comfortable. Does that make sense? Uh, so for me, I would say yes, now in this season, yes, I'll hold that near and dear to my heart because in the uncomfortability comes the growth, right? Uh, if you think about it, a seed when a seed is planted in a dark place, that's uncomfortable. There, you, you, you can't see the light. You don't know when the next water is going to, when the next watering is going to come. You don't know if that person is going to come sing to you because I don't know if you got, you, might, you guys might be too young to know, but when they, when they water in the plants, they sing. Like my mother-in-law, when she's watering her plants, she talks to her plants. She sings to her plants, right? And she thinks that it makes it grow. I don't know. I've never seen it myself, uh, but that's kind of what it comes down to. So being in an uncomfortable position makes me realize how much I'm actually growing. That, that makes sense? No, it's, it's it's funny that you say that because when you really think about 
some of the greatest achievers in life, their their greatest success came after one of their biggest failures. So without that failure, without that darkness, without that uncomfortability, like we wouldn't have some of the developments that we have in, in, in real life or in life. So um, that's that's fact. I even think about the the caterpillar and the uh the, the cocoon and then the butterfly. Like the growth is happening inside of that cocoon, and you don't know if how long you're gonna be in that cocoon. And so when you come out on the other side, it's a beautiful butterfly. So so that's facts, man. Um, I didn't know about the whole um <laughs> singing when you you flowering your plants. I wasn't aware of that, but um my grandfather my grandparents had a garden and you know my grandmother would be out there all day watering the plants so I was trying to think back to like what she actually singing I, I I can't really recall but but that's that's still dope I think that's a nugget right so I so you you mentioned something really quick and I just want to I kind of want to go there you mentioned the caterpillar the cocoon and the butterfly right so this is just a question and y'all can answer the question like I know the answer that I would give to the question but I just want to see like what you what you guys will give off okay so there is the beginning, right? Then there's the process, and then there's the promise. Would you agree that the most uh, fulfillment comes out of the process? And would you agree that, in the second, second part of the question, would you agree that if you didn't have to go through the process, that promise wouldn't really be worth it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The journey, the grind, the memories that come with it is what allows you to create an actual tangible plan to, you know, get the results you desire and yeah if I, I always always say anything worth obtaining is, is worth grinding for and if you don't know the struggle if you can't reflect on dag i remember when i did it then when you have it why would it what's the difference it doesn't hold any value if things that don't hold value don't tend to last long right and if you gotta grind and you gotta you gotta scrape and get it out the mud for it you're gonna be a whole lot more appreciative of it and you're gonna show that with how you value it no absolutely yeah, and I agree, man. I always think about who do you want to be, what do you want to have, and what do you want to do? And oftentimes, it's not so much what you're looking to get, it's who you become on the process of getting it. So I definitely agree that the the process is way more important than the promise, um, because that's who develops the character, that's who you become. And if you don't have that, that nurturation process in the middle, like when you get that thing, you can't really appreciate it as much as you should or, or as you could have if you went through that process and enjoyed that journey. Right. That's facts. Definitely. So let's talk about the process that you're in as well, too. I'm, I know you're in the midst of writing a book. And again, come on, man. <laughs> talk to us a little bit about that, man. I, I know that's a little bit uncomfortable. I know that's know that's new as well, too. But I know you're, you're in the cocoon stage with that as well. How has that been for you? So. Uh, my brother, again, right now, he's my biggest supporter in everything that I got going on. Uh, and he asked me, he's actually the person who said, go ahead and write the book, right? So I've been sitting on the book for a long time. Uh, and he wants it out by my birthday. So my birthday is June 15th, right in the middle of the year. Uh, he was like, I want it out by then. What are you going to write about? So I'm like, what? He's like, what are you going to write about? We need we need a book so that when we go out on the road, this is what your material is coming from. It's coming from your book, Right. So I took about two days and really thought about it, right? And uh, it's near and dear, right? And I might I might get a little emotional, say so I might catch my emotional side today, uh, but I'm not ashamed of it, right? Uh, but it's near and dear to me because those same men who I talked about growing from young men uh, to adults on my football team uh, is me. I'm looking in the mirror, right? And uh, the book is gonna be about my process 
from starting the semi-pro football team to where I am now, where I walked away from it, right? It's going to talk about how I was still young-minded, how I was still dumb, how there were certain aspects of my life where it wasn't refined yet to for them to even look up to me, but they still looked up to me. They still confided in me. They still uh, showed love. You know what I'm saying? Like those, it's going to talk about that journey from 2015 to 2021. It's going to talk about how I matured in a space where everybody else was looking up to me as if I was already matured. And we, I'm just going to break it down, man. I'm going to talk how I talk. I'm going to write how I write. And I'm going to give it to it, you know, raw and uncut for folks. And I don't have a title yet. So, so you know, I just wanted to let you know that in advance. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's dope, man. I, I, I love, man. We, we talked about um on a previous episode, like faking it until you make it. Because oftentimes, like, you're not going to have all the answers, but figuring that stuff out is going to always be the fun part. Just like I said, like, who you becoming on this process. Um, And it's, a, man, this is a place where this is a safe space where you can be emotional, you can be vulnerable, because I feel like when you look like us, oftentimes you're told not to, right? So we want to be the voice for the voiceless, a choice for the choiceless, and really just show people, like, when you are who you truly are, like, you get emotional sometimes. And I think that through that vulnerability, you provide strength to those that that follow you. So, so man, keep keep going, man. Keep keep doing the things that you're doing, and keep you know following God's guidance because you know He got us. And although you may not have a title now, I can guarantee you, you know, if you set that goal to have a book out by your birthday, it'll be out and it'll be a bestseller within you know the year. So, so kudos to you. I received that, brother. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So it, it sounds like your brother is, is is one, your biggest fan, and then two, somebody who really pushes you, right? I want I want to hear a little bit more about that relationship. Why and why, from a viewer standpoint, why is it so valuable to always make sure you have that person in your corner to keep you pushing and to continue to help you get uncomfortable in the midst as well? I got you. So uh 1988, he was born, right? I was born in 86. He was born January of uh 88. And uh the way it happened, kind of kind of crazy. My mom was supposed to marry my father in December of 86. Uh, but my father met my stepmother, who I, she's near and dear to my heart. Um, and they wind up, you know, uh, having a relationship. My mom and dad broke up or whatever. And uh, my brother was born. And my stepmo- stepmother, through the grace of God, and she made sure that we were best of friends. Let's keep it that way. I mean, we blood brothers, but she made sure that we was best of friends. We did everything together. You know, we went to the circus together. We went to the carnivals together. We went to the zoo together. We went to church together. We played video games together. We had weekends uh, together. And uh, while I didn't know it, you know, growing up, our relationship really wasn't what, what it is today, right? And the reason being is because there's a lot of hurt and trauma still trapped inside of us, right? And when you come from what I like to call a broken home, when you come from those spaces, that trauma lies dormant, right? And while you're still pressing forward and you're still getting to live your life the way you want to live your life, you have a kid, you're getting married, you get a, a white picket fence with a dog, the American dream, doing all those things, those feelings still lay dormant. And because they lay dormant, you can never really have a relationship or have a relationship like you want to have a relationship until you really iron it out and you speak to that person and you say, yo, it wasn't our fault. We was put into that situation. It wasn't on us, but we can go forward. We can move forward and we can have a great relationship now. Uh, So that's how our relationship got to where it is. 
But having somebody in your corner, man, is is so pivotal because one, it holds you accountable, right? First, you got to hold yourself accountable. And if you can't hold yourself accountable, then nobody else is going to be able to hold you accountable. Uh, but it's somebody that can hold you accountable, right? It's somebody that can say, yo, bro, even though today may be a dark day, tomorrow the sun's going to shine. Keep going. You know what I'm saying? Keep pushing. Keep doing what's necessary. Uh, and another one of my brothers, so it's a lot of us, but another one of my brothers called me uh, probably a month ago, maybe two months ago. And it was just a routine phone call. He just called and uh, we having a conversation. And he said something to me that was so pivotal uh, and, it, and it shifted to the trajectory of my year, which was uh, last year. He said, bro, we don't say it enough, but we're proud of you. We don't say it enough, but you are a role model. We don't say it enough, but we love to see you succeed. We don't say it enough, but you are who we aspire to be. And it broke me down because I'm like, yo, like my whole life, that's all I ever wanted was to, to, to make sure that I was doing right by, by y'all, you know what I'm saying? To make sure that I was the proper role model, to make sure that I didn't fail. Uh, and to get that, it pushed me to another level, bro. I'm, I'm gonna keep it real with y'all. It pushed me to a whole nother level. As I stated earlier uh, on the podcast, that my family is my is my why. The reason why I get up and grind every single day and do what it is that I do. It's my family, man. My siblings are it. My wife, she's it. That's the reason. Uh, and if you ain't got somebody in your corner, man, look at yourself in the mirror because you're probably not holding yourself accountable. Therefore, everybody else is afraid to hold you accountable. And that's that's so beautiful, man. I want to I want to put a, a spotlight on something you said, and I'm going to say it a little bit different because a lot of times when you deal with trauma, you walking around with these holes. And what we try to do is we try to fill these holes with things that don't necessarily matter, whether it's the house, the cars, the, the white picket fence, the dog. And in reality, like we got a lot of personal stuff that we're dealing in. We filled it up with these superficial holes. So once you lose that car, once you lose that house, once you lose, you know, sometimes your, your significant other, what do you stand on? You just that same broken little boy or little girl that, you know, got into this situation to kind of get away from that. And, and it's so dope that as, you know, grown men, you guys can have that conversation and truly like hash it out to understand like it wasn't you guys' fault that the trauma happened the way that it did. And I think that, our listeners and people out there, they need to deal with that trauma within before trying to, you know, go do something else in the world because you won't have the greater impact, the greatest impact that you can. But we're going to go ahead and um close out soon, Ray. I want to ask you, man, what advice would you give to our listeners um, about staying persistent, you know, staying true to who they are and, and, and going after the things that they want? All right, I got you, man. I got one. So I write a lot of post-it notes. So I was prepared. This one, this one, it's like I have posting those to my left and my right on my desk. Uh, but I wrote this one back uh, probably a few months ago. But it's uh, raise your expectations because God didn't forget about you. And that's that's what I got for you. Raise your expectations because God didn't forget about you. And a lot of times we feel like, you know, uh, our expectations are big enough. They not. They not. You know what I'm saying? God is unabounding and limitless which means you can have way more than you ever imagined you could have. But you have to raise your expectations and not only raise your expectations, but believe that those things can come to pass. Because God ain't forget about y'all. I appreciate you fellas for you know having me on tonight. It was definitely a great conversation. Uh, I definitely appreciate it. Hey, that's what it's all about.
about, fam. We really are. Let's grow together on, on a sincere component, man. But he said a lot. He dropped a lot of jewels, man, from talking about just giving a call, telling somebody you're proud of him, really checking in, to raise your own expectations for yourself, to getting uncomfortable, to, to, to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, really follow that voice within you. But at the end of the day, family, again, we are. Let's grow together. That's what we're here for. And we pray that you continue to elevate yourself, surround yourself with positive individuals as we have. And continue to do the same. But again, we look forward to tapping in with y'all next week. Thank you, as always, family. Y'all be blessed.